Hey, I'm glad you're here. This tool's been down since last night. We tried to initialize and it won't reset. We got priority lights to run, so I need this tool back up as soon as possible. Okay. So I gotta take care of some things, but once it's up, can you call me? I'll do that. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, let's get this party started. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the KLA 10 Core CSE Handbook. Whether you are a new or experienced customer service engineer, you have no doubt taken part or at least have been exposed to a challenging troubleshooting session. A recent study conducted at KLA 10 Core found that expert troubleshooters pretty much all follow the same basic set of best practices and use a process similar to the seven step problem solving process used here at KLA 10 Core. Using these best practices to troubleshoot may just reduce your time to repair, parts usage, and the overall cost of support for your tool. At the same time, you should be able to improve your customer's productivity. Hopefully, as a result of all of this, your customer's opinion of the KLA 10 Core support organization will improve as well. Sound pretty good? Well, join us now as we cover the best practices used by expert troubleshooters here at KLA 10 Core Coming up on today's episode of KLA 10 Core CSE Handbook. I just met with a customer and he explained that the tool would not initialize. The first thing I'm going to do is verify the problem myself. I must see the problem firsthand. You never know whether the problem was caused by an operator error or if the customer may have failed to report all of the symptoms. Well, looks like the customer was right. The tool will not initialize. Now I need to document that as part of our problem statement. Having a well-written problem statement will help me to stay focused. The problem statement should be a high-level description of the problem. When you write your problem statement, don't assume a solution just yet. At this point, we are not trying to solve the problem. A good problem statement is made of two parts a problem description, and a target statement. In this case, our problem description is fairly simple. The tool will not initialize. Now, in order for us to know when we have actually achieved a satisfactory fix, we need to write a target statement. Remember, a target statement should be measurable and achievable. The statement should capture exactly what you are shooting for. In this case, our target statement would be the tool will initialize successfully as indicated by the display of the ready prompt. Do problem and target statements sound familiar? They should. They're the first step in the seven-step problem-solving methodology, which is what our troubleshooting approach is based on. Okay. With that done, we can get to work. Let's see what's next. At this point, I really don't have anything to work with yet, so I need more information. I could start guessing as to what may be causing the problem, or I could collect more data. I think I have a few more questions for the customer. Yeah, hi, bud. 
Yeah, this is Greg down in the clean room. When talking to the customer, you may want to ask a few questions, such as, has anything happened, such as a configuration change or a recent software update to cause the problem? What was the tool doing at the time of the problem was noticed? Have there been any changes to recipes or production reticles or wafers? And for sites with multiple tools, is the problem being seen on other tools? Also, ask the customer to reproduce the problem if you are unable to do so. Now, I'd like to ask two a few questions, but how do I do that? Well, if you're thinking diagnostic tests and log files, then you're thinking like me. When asking questions of the tool, think about collecting tool logs, error logs, and diagnostic test results. In this case, the trace log shows a problem with the handler initialization. Although it is not specific, it is a clue. Here is where you would ask yourself a question. What do I know about this tool? I know that the handler must initialize completely before any other subsystems. If it isn't successful, the full system initialization halts. I'm going to target my testing on the handler to get more information. Let's run a test to see if we have communication between the tool and the handler. Okay, we're good there. Next, we're going to test the handler. I'm going to issue a command to initialize the handler. Notice that I'm taking notes as I run these tests. It's very important to do so. It helps us as we troubleshoot, and it helps when writing the service report. Well, the handler initialization halted. Yeah, what's up with that, handler? Now well, maybe the answer's found in the handler reset log. Aha, another clue. The vacuum interlock error. I bet that's what's halting initialization. But what's causing the interlock error? At this point, we've collected quite a bit of data, much of which has helped us to narrow our focus to the handler. At this point, our activities can be targeted at determining the cause of our vacuum interlock error. We've now entered the third step of our seven-step plan, known as cause. Let's see. A vacuum interlock error could be caused by a bad interlock, bad connection, or maybe a loose panel. It is good practice to list the possible causes and then choose appropriate tests or tasks to eliminate or confirm items on the list. That way you'll know what is working and what is not. The interlock interface panel LEDs may have a story to tell. Let's take a look. Okay, they're all green. That means the physical interlocks are fine. We can cross that off the list. The vacuum at the pre-aligner and end effectors looks good, so we can check that off the list as well. I've been adding to my list and crossing off items as I go, taking notes along the way. I'm down to this. The interlock error is related to the load ports. 
It helps to think in terms of macro and micro subsystems when troubleshooting. Our macro level isolation identifies the handler and load ports. Now we're working on the micro level to get to the specific cause. Okay, so I've done all that I can do for now, but I still feel like I need more information. I should check Merlin for any tool history or related cases. Merlin is a great resource for locating information that may be related to your problem. In this case, we are searching cases and postmortems for anything related to our error message. Oh, thank you, Merlin. I just found two cases that reported the same error message in the same fix. A loose vacuum manifold fitting which connects the load ports to the handler. Let's go take a look and see if our connections are good. Upon physical inspection of the hoses and fittings, I located what may be the source of our problem, a leaking vacuum connection. Without the help of Merlin, this may have taken much longer to find. Apparently, there's a problem with the fittings working loose on these tools. It's nice and tight now. I don't think it'll loosen up again. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to see if it fixes the problem. That was it. We have initialization. While following the first three steps of the seven-step process, we were able to determine the cause of our problem. That was relatively easy. I just tightened the fitting, and that fixed the problem. But the problem wasn't just a loose fitting. The problem is that it became a loose fitting. The real solution should include a fix to prevent this from happening again. Remember, a solution plan is what you will do to resolve the problem, and can include tasks such as ordering and replacing parts, performing repairs, calibrations, and alignments, and sometimes even training the customer. It is crucially important at this phase of the process for your actions to be very well documented. Remember our target statement? Well, we can't say we've fixed the problem until we've satisfied our target which states the tool will initialize successfully as indicated by the display of a ready prompt. To complete the effects evaluation step, we must always confirm that the measurable results defined in the target statement have been attained. We do this by evaluating and recording the test results. This is also where the troubleshooting process can become repetitive. Stay on course and document your process. This way, if you are successful, then the data may help others if you are unsuccessful, then others will be able to better assist you after reviewing the steps you have taken. Tech Support will use the information you gather during your troubleshooting session to help other departments make sure this type of problem is minimized in the future. Therefore, taking thorough and accurate notes is essential. Yeah, hey, bud. Hey, this is Greg. Yeah, clean. Yep. Yeah, hey, uh, good news, good news. We're all back up and running. Different fabs will have different requirements for qualification and turnover of the tool. Be sure to run your fabs qual tests to make sure that there are no more problems that may have surfaced as a result of the fix that you just implemented. Now is time for probably what is the most important step. Careful and accurate documentation of the case. In this step, you need to capture lessons learned and valuable bits of knowledge to include in your field service report. 
This information will become important when replying to Merlin forum posts and submitting future document change requests. Of course, it is important to again emphasize that through the power of Merlin search, your FSR information will likely be helpful to others who encounter similar problems in the field. And that covers our troubleshooting best practices, taken directly from a study of CSE troubleshooting experts at KLA 10 Corp. We found it very interesting that each of our experts said that they used the process similar to the seven-step problem-solving process used here at KLA 10 Corp. In addition to the best practices just shown, our experts left us with these final words of wisdom. First and foremost, you are the expert, only you can truly evaluate the system. Don't necessarily rely on what people less familiar with the tool are telling you about the issue. Secondly, don't bypass these troubleshooting best practices. If you let your intuition drive your troubleshooting technique, it is likely to result in additional repair time and a higher cost to KLA 10 Core and your customer. Third, if in the course of applying your troubleshooting technique you discover a procedure that you believe is incorrect, you should submit a change request through the DCR process. Fourth, check the VFI for tool-specific troubleshooting guides. It is always helpful to have the latest documentation and new specific troubleshooting guides are being added all the time. And last but not least, remember that you are a part of a larger network of engineers, a team of professionals that all have one goal in common, to provide your customer with the best possible service at the lowest possible cost, which is why teamwork is so key to our success. All of these tips are great and just happen to fit right in with KLA 10 Core's 2010 plan. Well, that concludes today's episode of the KLA 10 Core CSE Handbook. If you would like to comment on this video or offer suggestions for new videos, log on to Merlin Forums and leave us a message. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.